0: well good morning morning. morning. (laughs) welcome and hello everyone here today and watching online do appreciate each and every one of you to be here today as we know like tom said pastor john getting over a little bit of covid so make sure he stays in your prayers if you would um he asked me to uh um come up with a sermon this week and you know God has been talking to me for a little while about redoing one I did in the past so this was a great opportunity. Now I set out to redo the same thing and and God had a a little bit of a different plan. It is the same topic but I'm looking at it from a different direction and really that's because this topic is really so important to our Christian foundation to what we believe and how we live our lives. So if you notice, the title now is The Springs of Life. But really, honestly, the same passages I spoke on, my very first time I, I spoke here at this church was Proverbs four twenty through 27. So if you could follow along in your Bible or on the screen or in the Bibles in the seat in front of you, I'd ask if you could please stand to honor, if you're able, to honor God's uh, word. So, Proverbs 4, 20-27. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, and all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we ask that you open our heart today, that we may hear your words and turn all of our ways towards you. We thank you and praise you for all you do in our lives. I ask for healing and comfort for Pastor John and Christine and for protection and good health for the new life that they are bringing into this world through their marriage I ask for healing for Brian and a good report tomorrow. I ask that you would work mightily in relationships in this church and that you would draw us near to you. Lord, I pray that you will always be there and remind us to seek your ways in every moment of our lives. I also hold Diane Eichelberger up to you today that you would work through the doctors and nurses. But also show yourself through the miracle of healing and fix Diane's physical heart today. Be with her and comfort her through this time. Dear Jesus, I also ask that you would soften the hearts of those ones for 2021. And that we could be the servants you ask us to be in each of their lives. Lord, so much pain and dividedness in this world. Please, please. Help maintain unity among your church and guide us in the everlasting way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Oh, yes, you may be seated. So this excerpt uh, from Proverbs starts out with verses 20, 21, and 22. It's starting with Solomon asking for his son to listen closely. So does this not paint a picture for you? The king of Israel, who asked God for wisdom and got it, is about to tell his son the wisdom that God has given him. The very first thing Solomon tells his son is, keep your heart with all vigilance. Other versions say, guard your heart above all else. Solomon concludes this first comment comment with, from it flow the springs of life, or the source of your life. I would like to show you, in God's Word, what is our heart. What is our what is truly our heart? We hear heart in songs, we hear heart when we talk and read through the Bible, but what really are they talking about? First of all, can we all agree that if God repeats something in His Word, it just may be important? <laughs> well in Strong's Exhaustive Concordance of the Bible, which lists words contained in the King James Version of the Bible, the brain is not mentioned once, where the heart is used 826 times. 46 of those times, Jesus himself is talking about our heart. So I want to go a little bit deeper than that, though. I don't want to assume anything here. So... I did say the brain's not mentioned, so I decided, well, what about head or what about mind? Um, Head is mentioned 360 times, but every time it's mentioned, it's talking about our physical body part or it's talking about the head of something, like a leadership type mention. Also, what about the mind then? So the mind is used 96 times. There are a few times when mind is mentioned along with heart, but it doesn't give clarity that it's in your head. For example, he answered, You shall love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. That's in Luke 10.27. And as you can see, there are multiple aspects listed there and they do separate heart and mind, I really believe that's an overall concept of trying to pull things together. Luke writing here as a physician, trying to under, help people to understand it's all of you that needs to love God. Also, when the Old Testament and the New Testament talk about heart, they never just mean human feelings. So many times we apply our heart to what our feelings are. The biblical word heart is the inner aspects of a person. It is made of three parts altogether. together. 1 Peter 3, 4 shows that. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which God's sight is very precious. So these parts are... The mental process, your emotions, or and your will. So the mental process includes your thinking, using your brain. This may change the way you think about your brain and its purpose in your salvation. I surely hope it does, because so many times we say the greatest distance between heaven and hell is the 18 inches between our heart and our head. But in all actuality, when we're talking about heart, the Bible is including that, is including the way we think and what we know. Also, your emotions. You're not, these are not something that we just put aside. So many times we said our emotions can lead us in the wrong direction, which they can. But they're not irrelevant to what the heart is. Emotions are a gift from God. And they let you experience life the way God wanted us to, to have life abundantly. We need to have a little understanding, though, about emotions. Emotions are reactionary. Something happens, and we want to present emotions. So we have to think through them and understand where they are coming from and what they are. Jesus had emotions. He was angry in the temple, turning over the money changers' tables. Compassion he had in healing many that came to him. But you know, maybe also He healed those that might not have been willing to follow Him. Remember the story, ten lepers were healed and only one returned. He also showed emotional love, weeping for Lazarus and caring for His disciples. So we get to our will. That allows us to make these decisions, balancing both of these other two. It's not always about one or just the other. Our brain can be deceiving. Our emotions can lead us where we don't want to be. So we have to use discernment to put our inner self, to put our emotions aside and choose God. A popular topic lately has been, do we get angry in traffic? Well, what are, what are we doing? Are we letting our emotions control that situation without any thinking? How about the other side of that? Do we allow stinking thinking to get in our brains and not let our emotions showing love or care for another person help control what we really might want to say? What is the key to using these and honoring God? Because all three do make up your heart. The heart is used figuratively for the hidden springs of a personal life. The Bible describes human depravity as In the heart, because sin is in the seat of the center of a person's inward life, and then it defiles our actions. Matthew 5.19, this is Jesus talking when he says this. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. But wait a second, on the other hand, Scripture regards the heart as a divine place of influence. Romans 2.15 shows this well. They show the work of the law that is written in their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse and excuse them. So heart is here representing the true character. And it is in, it's in the New Testament to show how it's used throughout our character. So when I was researching this, I came across the list in Vine's Complete Expository Dictionary. Now, this list is kind of long. You might think I'm droning on a little bit here, but what I'd like you to focus on here is all the places in the New Testament that talk about the different aspects of what our heart desires, what we desire from our heart, our inner being, and then listen how many scriptures talk about this. Now I'm not going to go through 826, but I would like to show you just how comprehensive that this list is. First of all, it's the seat of physical life. Acts fourteen seventeen and James five five. Then the seat of moral nature and spiritual life, which is grief, John fourteen one, Romans nine, two, second Corinthians two, four, joy, John sixteen twenty-two, Ephesians five nineteen, desires, Matthew five twenty-eight, Second Peter two fourteen, 14. affections, Matthew five twenty eight, Second Peter two fourteen, uh, perceptions, John twelve forty and Ephesians four eighteen, thoughts, Matthew nine four and Hebrews four twelve, understanding, Matthew thirteen fifteen and Romans one twenty one, reasoning powers come from our heart, Mark two six, Luke twenty four thirty eight, imagination, Luke one fifty one, conscious comes. Acts 2.37, 1 John 3.20. Intentions, Hebrew 4.12, 1 Peter 4.1. How about purpose? Acts 11.23, and 2 Corinthians 9.7. Your will, Romans 6.17, Colossians 3.15. And finally, faith, Mark 11.23, Romans 10.10, 10, and Hebrews three. This was all a list. I just found that absolutely amazing that all this stuff mentions the word heart and shows how our heart is involved in each one of these. I did print out the list because I knew I was going to run through it quickly. If anybody wants that I have a few to hand out. Just see me afterwards. I'll be more than happy to give you one. The heart is also used in the Old Testament though and it includes emotions, reasoning, and the will also. So as we look at the verses here today, I want to get some understanding on what the Bible calls the heart. Um, We can see Solomon understands that the heart is what drives our actions. Notice here he says in the first sentence after he tells his son to pay attention, he says, guard your inner being, for with it you will be made whole. And then the following verses start getting a little more specific. So, guard your talk, he, t- he, he points out. He also says, guard your eyes, guard your walk, or the way you go. And don't even lean from that once you've done that. All of the following verses expand that verse 23. So 23 has the core, guarding your heart, for from it life springs forth. And then the verses that follow show us how do we guard our heart. So first of all, let me be clear, when we have Jesus telling us in Matthew fifteen nineteen that all sorts of garbage comes from our heart, and it does, let me put it this way, I was reading a little bit in Spurgeon's uh, sermon about the heart, and he said in his sermon that if you saw bees coming out of a log, you would assume, and rightly so, that there's a bees nest in that log. Well, the same goes for sin, he continued. You see someone sinning, and you can say that sin is written in that person, and that that person's inclination is towards that sin. Now, I paraphrased a little bit there, but really this is true. Sin is not something that you do. It is something that comes from within. But why is that? Why is our heart the key to salvation if sin is coming from that same place? Remember Romans 10.10, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So what is going on here actually with our heart? It includes all the aspects of a human, of our inner being, but yet we're torn between sinning with our heart and accepting salvation. And that's because our heart is a sponge of our environment. First of all, the world is competing for it. it has been, the world has been slick. And really, honestly, I should be saying the devil because he's lost the war, but he still fights on. He wants to blind us. He wants to blind others into his eternal realm. As everyone here I'm sure can attest, because of the difficulties of our lives, the devil is smart and he knows what our weaknesses are. The world is his playground, roaming to and fro, looking for someone to devour. He has been shown as a lion, devouring those. Yes, Jesus is also shown as a lion, but as the king and powerful. But the devil as some looking for someone to devour he has been at this since his fall and he has been planning all along so let's take a look at the world for a moment slowly over years and years subtle changes have made you feel okay with the things the way things may be right now let's take a look at the entertainment industry for example so when i was young i know i know it I don't look that old, but trust me, when I, when I was younger, um, TV would be fined immensely if any mention of swear words were put on. And now, look at it today. How about music? Music was, didn't have anything to do with swear words back a while back also. But now we look at music industry and every type of immorality is glamorized through the music we listen to. Remember, Casting Crowns has a song, and I know it's talking about children, but also it talks about us too when it talks about, it's a slow fade. It's small little things we allow in today that allow us tomorrow to accept it. So look at this progression, right? All the moral, but immoral behavior. I mean, TV depicts scenes now that your eyes should never let in your body. Everything from, from sex to murders is all on TV all day long. If you're not careful, some channels are not even edited at all. If you're a parent and TV helps you get some quiet time from your kids for just a little while... Nothing wrong with that. Cartoons today are really not much better. Small little subtle suggestions in anger, adult humor, and in vengeance can plant the wrong kinds of seeds that lead in a direction that you really don't want your kids to go. How about video games? We are desensitizing our younger generation from the sanctity of life. In military training, you attack and shoot at dummies and silhouettes to desensitize you. This way, when somebody pops out from over a hill or around a building, you're looking at them, you don't see a person anymore. You see a target. It works. It's been proven to work in military training. Video games are more realistic than dummies and silhouettes. And they just glamorize uh, immorality even more. I mean, people who play games know what I'm talking about when I say there's a game out there that you level up by breaking the law and some serious laws at that. And also every commandment of God. But it's only a game. So look at what Solomon tells his son and how to guard his heart. Guard your talk and guard your walk. When we as Christians are told to be in the world, but not of the world, it becomes harder every day to guard against these schemes of the devil. So how do we guard? If our heart is truly a sponge of the environment, we keep. it really matters what we keep in it. So what is your environment? I know we all hear over and over, but the first of all God has given us given to us the bible we hear this so many times that i'm afraid it gets numb to hearing please read your bible but it shows us the right path jeremiah speaking words from god as a prophet says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked and that's in jeremiah 17:9 so we have to make choices i know our human inclination is to be selfish prideful seek our own comfort above all else but God's word is life to those who seek it and how can you possibly make God honoring choices if you don't know what is God honoring (coughs) an hour or so on Sunday does not fill you up sure it is refreshing sustaining but a car can only go so far on a quarter tank of fuel keep filling up throughout the week God's Word is living, and He wants to... He has things He wants to tell you. Sunday school lesson we were in recently asked this question. When was the last time you had a question so you opened God's Word for the answer? Also, think about this. If my heart is the result of the environment, then what is my environment? This is your choice. We cannot control our heart, per se, except by controlling what we take in from our environment. As Solomon finished out his chapter, put away devious and crooked speech. This applies to hearing, talking, or basic communication. What consumes your conversations? What are you listening to? Is it friends that have no inclination toward the Bible? Or an accountability partner that shares Bible studies together? Or how about maybe even God himself? What else consumes our conversations? Did you hear what that person did? Or did you hear what this person is doing? Or how about so-and-so is having a rough go of it. How can I help them? These are different ways that we can look at the same situation. And this is not only for our brothers and sisters in Christ, but all our neighbors, even those we may have issues with. That can be hard. Solomon next tells his son to keep his eyes looking directly forward. This is not to put on blinders of what's going on around you or to not actually turn your head left and right. This is to keep your eyes on the prize. Finish the race. Um, Your gaze must be straight before you and looking directly forward This is where Paul in Hebrews writes, keep your eyes on the finish as a runner runs the race. So think about the athletes we like to watch on a Sunday afternoon when they're playing their games. Their eye is on winning. Their eye is on the end of the game throughout the whole game. They've built strategies to get to the end. I bet none of them are looking up in the audience to see what's going on in the stands. They need to be paying attention to what's going on on the field. And that's what Solomon is telling his son. Keep your eyes on the prize. Last couple of verses, Solomon is telling his son to ponder his past. I believe we ponder our past should be including prayer. God created the universe. He wrote out all the days of your life before you were even formed. So how do you not ask him for direction or clarity? So prayer is directly linked to our heart. And then Solomon tells his son not to swerve. Or better said, stay the path once you have sought God and considered the aspects of the task at hand. Or pondered. Put action to the right ways and do not be distracted turning from that path. We need to seek God each and every day, day, dare I say, every moment throughout the day. We should be praying continually. I understand the difficulty here. We are good at what we do. That is why we do it. Seldom do we pick things that we're not any good at. So as we're doing this, we rely on our own understanding. I got this. Or... Better yet, we may go ask a smart friend instead of seeking God in his direction. Do we ever slow down enough to ask God what he wants and how he would handle the situation? This is the love God talks about when we say, love God with all your heart. This is the love of a child to a loving and perfect father. That child's desire should be to please and seek affection and direction from the Father, God the Father is filling for the whole that the world can never satisfy. So let me summarize and kind of repeat a few things that I said. A heart is the whole inner being. God's Word shows us that 826 ways or so. Our intellect or thought process is one aspect. Our emotions and feelings another. And lastly, our will or what we desire to happen. Usually this this decision is a blended of knowledge and feelings. Our heart is in a constant battle, as Jesus pointed out, that it is from our heart that sin nature comes from, but also points out this is where our godliness comes from. So the way we choose is what environment are we choosing to be in? Be in the world and not of the world, may be put, be the light of God in dark places, not the one who just goes along. So if things are not lined up biblically, then you are in the wrong environment. The world is not your friend. The world is blinding the ones who do not know God or keep us away from him. Or if you know God, then the world is trying to keep your lamp under a basket. And yes, when I say the world, Satan is hard at work doing these things in the darkness. Guard your heart, for from it flows the springs of life. And my final point here is, whatever your choice is, understand what you pour in will come out. If you seek the so-called science of the world, then worldly science will be the decisions you make. If you let political ramblings fill your days, then you will be politically divided. If you let killing and fighting flood into your eyes, then life will lose its beauty from you. Can I go on? If my time is filled with garbage, then I cannot make good decisions. I don't have to wait to see if that's true. God's Word explicitly says it, and I believe it. Do you have time for prayer and reading the Bible? If so, when you are challenged, will you seek God? Not drugs, alcohol, games, food, or just name your escape here. What you pour in will come out. Jesus, who said, it is the heart that defiles a person, also said, good fruit comes from an honest and good heart. He is really telling us in his own words The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that is Luke 6.45. Or maybe just besides the mouth speaks, your actions also do. We have choices. And it really comes down to choosing good over evil. Or right versus wrong. Jesus reminds us that with his words in revelation 3:15 and 16, I know your works that you are neither hot cold nor hot. I wish you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. It's either or there's no in between. So as I read through this, um, we see songs with the word heart in it so many times. I hope this paints a different picture for you of what our heart is. And not just that organ or just not the center of emotions, but it's who we are as beings. It's who God wants us to reflect Him from, truly from our heart. And how do we do that? Again, it's what we pour in is going to come out. Where are you spending your days? What are you spending your time with? What do you do to fill yourself when you have a moment or two to your own? Seek God. Seek God in his word. Seek God through prayer. Pray continually. I can't speak that enough. I know John, Pastor John says that every week, that reading your Bible is so important. But it does. It builds our heart. So our decisions are inclined towards God and not inclined towards the world. We don't despair. We're all sinners by nature. And we make mistakes. When you find yourself fallen, seek God. Remember David's word to God. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. God wants to talk argue if need be. It's okay. Just talk to God. Be honest. Bear your soul. Seek Him and the right path with all earnestness. God wants to help. Call on Him today. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 13.5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Paul wants us to look inward. Look at your heart and see what your motives are, which will direct your conduct. This altar is open. Give up control you desperately hold on to, and God will take your burdens. If you do not have that relationship with Jesus, and you feel that the answers the world has been giving you are just not filling you up, just like a Christian, that choice to seek the right environment, you can too. It starts with seeking Jesus and understanding what he did for you. We are all sinners and no past is beyond his forgiveness if we ask for it. Talk to a member of our church or a deacon or an elder. Any of us would love to show you God's word on how to enter into that most precious relationship with Jesus. For both Christians and non-Christians, God's word says it best. Of course. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36:26. This is a great picture of what God can do when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. This is a reminder of the constant work we also need that our stony hearts to a tender and responsive heart. Call on Jesus, seek him today.